Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we have a lot to talk about. Um, a lot of games have been played recently, so we should jump right into that and uh, talk about what have we been playing. Okay. Well, uh, one thing that we have been playing for sure is, uh, at least that I've been playing quite a bit more, and I think this was on our list last week, is uh, Victorian Masterminds. Yeah. So I've gotten to play this uh, another couple of times, four-player, and I actually got to play it three-player, which uh, is a very different feel to the game. And like with four-player, you kind of... You're, you're going through, you're placing these gears in the city, and then once a city gets three gears of any color, they get flipped, and then you, you know, resolve the agent powers in that order. But with four, you really, it's hard to plan, because um, you, there could be an empty city, and by the time it comes back to you, it could have already gone through the full cycle and be empty again, or it could have two on it, or it could have one on it, or something that you wanted to resolve uh, before has already been resolved, and twice, or something. So uh, that's kind of pretty chaotic, but with three players, I've we found that uh, oftentimes you'd be triggering your own exclusive pile. Mm. So like, um, I did it a couple times, Larry did it a couple times, Kirsten did it a few times, where you are building up one pile that's all you. So when you flip it over, you're just going through this mass action where you're just getting all this stuff. And especially if you can coordinate that with your, you know, um, your mechanic guy, engineer guy. uh, And and if you have stuff unlocked, I mean, you could go down this huge chain of events and just get tons of stuff. Uh, So that that was kind of neat. Another one is you, you really could sit back with three and uh kirsten even ran out of uh of tokens of, oh really uh, of agents yeah oh interesting so uh which i'd never i'm not even sure it's mathematically possible in a four player <laughs> game uh with five agents. no it's not um <laughs> so uh so it it's it does it feels less chaotic i feel like you can plan things a lot better and you kind of get these uh big explosive windfalls that you don't necessarily see very often in a four player. So, um, but overall it was very positive. So I would play three player again. I'd play four player again. Uh, it seems to scale really, really well. I have not played it two player, uh, which only requires two agents on a city before it flips. Oh, that sounds like really, actually that sounds really cool. Cause it'd be so fast paced. Yeah. Know? It seems like you just so. be constantly resolving like almost every, every other turn. Yeah. Um, so that would be, yeah. So I, I'm curious to try a two player, but, uh, Three player and four player. So far, the upper player counts. It uh, it scales really, really well. Nice. Um, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear that it switched. Now that you mentioned, it, I would, I never thought about it, but yeah, these cities because the cities don't lessen. There's always always the same amount of cities, mm, regardless of five. player count. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to hear that it plays at three, but also has quite a different feel. Uh, all right, yeah, I've got a. I had a bunch of plays too. Uh, I had actually, I had a great game night. It was one of those game nights where I just happened to to win every. I swept game night for the games that I played. I <laughs> happened to win every game. Part of that was that I was introducing one game to people, <laughs> but I was playing with Jeff, so I was proud that I crushed him. Yeah. Um, but I played. Uh, I, I got a parade, a game of parade in. Uh, that's the game I was introing to some new people. So it's always fun to intro that game to new people because they sort of see that as, as you play, you sort of see them like, Oh, Oh, 
oh, oh, I like this. And um, we had a game uh, night member who is a new member, and his mother was visiting. And I, I always love when someone brings like their mom or their aunt yeah. or someone like that. It's such a great time. It's so they always have like, a, oh no, I don't want to be a bother. I won't play. But then you rope them into games, and they just have a blast. So the game that we roped her into was sushi roll. And I had not played this game before, but Bill, um, you were telling me about it. Yes, I and, like it a lot. Your impressions, I also really enjoyed it. And so we were kind of learning it as a table. Uh, I think this is one that, that Jeff did know how to play. Yeah. Um, but see how it's more interactive? Yeah, like totally. It's, yeah. Not, it's not just blind, like uh, single player solitaire where you just goes around and then all of a sudden everybody looks and they're like okay who has the most points there's yeah. actually like strategy you can you can take stuff from people you know what's kind of coming your way yep. you can sort of plan on things I, I i think it's uh it's it's more cerebral and i think it's a lot more interactive yeah i like it like i definitely will still play sushi go or sushi go party but i i like it the best of all three just because of that i mean the rolling the dice of course is always a big plus uh, for me, at least, just the physicality of that. But I really, that's just a minor thing, but I really love the fact that it's actually a conveyor belt that goes around the table. Like, that, because that, that's, that's, you know, that's how those sushi restaurants are, and is they have these conveyors, you just grab stuff off. And I just love that finally was part of the game. Right. <laughs> but beyond that unnecessary addition uh, to gameplay, uh, yeah, it just felt so much more exciting because you had an idea and it wasn't just based on your, or at least my horrible memory of what the other hands were. I could literally right. see it traveling around the table, but there's no guarantee of exactly what it is. You just know the types of things that are still available. Right. Because they're going to roll every time it switches. But it lets you say, okay, do I take this wasabi knowing that there's no white dice coming my way? So I have no right, chance yeah. of, of getting that nigiri. So no, obviously you wouldn't. Um, so maybe that's a good time to swap. And the swaps, I feel like, are Those super are so useful. Cool. Yeah. The um, the chopsticks are, are handy, like uh, the, the menus and chopsticks. It's all awesome. And I, I really think it uh, it just it feels like a bigger game, like a bigger, yeah, really more does. thinky game. It's kind of what uh, – it's like what Sushi Go – should have grown up and become right. and it did right. and, and it, i'm so yeah. proud of it oh it's, it's so <laughs> it's so satisfying to see your kids grow up to be the people you hope they would be oh, and yeah. uh, it really did yeah yeah i would i think you could definitely buy this game if you already own sushi go or sushi go party and, and still have uh it like it's it's the same game but different enough in that you could um, you know intro it to different crowds like sushi go is just so easy to take out and have a quick game of but this game has more complexity but it still feels really fun and light it's not too complex where it's suddenly like this chess-like struggle of 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 balancing uh this a massive deep strategy so i don't know i would you well you own it <laughs> so i do I you do. do own both so yes. you have purchased both but uh and i, I think it's worth it i i think uh, the the more i think about it uh they are such they feel to me like such different experiences yeah even if you have one i would suggest buying the other um it it just it i feel like it's they're different games i feel like they can scratch the same itch but at the same time i feel like they sort of scratch different itches too right right um they they just feel really different and the more i play sushi roll the more i'm like yeah i i would i would definitely go back and and if i were starting over again i'd buy both yeah 
yeah, I think it's totally valid to buy both for sure. So, yeah, sushi sushi roll, really really great. I I highly really recommend checking that out. Um, if and if you've never played Sushi Go, it's also a great entry point to the structure of the game <laughs> and yeah. the the theme because they definitely kept up the artwork and the theme is still the same. And the dice are very satisfying to roll. They're very cool that they did integrate the design. It's not just like a name or something. They really like they had the uh, the design of the items on the dice and it looks just looks great yeah it does very very well done uh super well done better than i had anticipated and i'd anticipated good quality um but i think they they did they blew my expectations away so yeah all right what else you got okay so um my next is actually i'm gonna lump two games together um larry uh has a, a friend of his and mine um, in town for a few weeks and he is not really like a game player like we've played uh, previously like a couple years ago we played like some uh, Cards Against Humanity and stuff like that uh, party type games uh, but he's not really like a board gamer and he came to game night and uh, he also I went over there a few nights ago and we played um, Splendor and Century Spice Road I introduced both of these fresh Oh, to nice. him as not a gamer, uh, used both of these kind of as uh, as gateway games, and they both went over fantastic. Uh, Splendor, especially, I'd forgotten how much I love Splendor. <laughs> I, I really, I, I talk about it all the time, and I, I, think, I come so uncool, but uh, I, I, I played it. The last five episodes, I think three of them at least, you've brought up your love of Splendor. The, so. But I, this is the first time I'd played it in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I'm playing it, and I'm like, God. I, I forgot how much I like this. It helped that I won both games. <laughs> that always um, helps us. But after we finished the first game, uh, John, who's our friend, who's only going to basically hang out for one game, is like, let's do that one again. Oh, sweet. And anytime a gateway game can do that, where yeah, somebody learns it, you're <laughs> like, oh, that's a great game. Um, so definitely high on my list of uh, of gateway games. And uh, Century Spice Road, he also really, really enjoyed. So And it was not too complex the concepts were in line so um those two were both big hits if you've got non-gamer friends uh those are two good ones for yeah. you splendor and century spice Road. i keep um i keep hearing like it's one of those things for some reason i've just been on message boards or whatever or talking to people and century spice road keeps coming up lately for some reason it's, i don't know why maybe mm-hmm. i'm looking for it but i keep hearing people maybe they've just been playing it for the first time or whatever singing its praises but yeah, for some well, reason it's in the zeitgeist at the moment well a new world just came out not too oh, long ago, a few, it, few months yeah. ago or uh, whatever so um maybe and that that really came off big yeah so a lot of people are like that so maybe people are revisiting it and like oh you know the simplicity uh, i like a new world a little bit better because it's less of a gateway game and more of a challenge it's it's basically century spice road all grown up too yeah and um so i kind of like it but the People that I've played it with um, who aren't real gamer gamers didn't care for it as much as Century Spice Road, just because Century Spice Road is so straightforward and so simple and just fun. Yeah, yeah. You know? So those are, that's uh, my my gateway journeys. All righty. What do you got? Um, well, I, <coughs> the last game I played for game night was uh, Clank, straight Clank with, uh, there was one expansion we were playing with. And um, that was the first time I've actually played just 
regular Clank. I, I own Clank in Space, and I like it a lot. It's a great game. And um, I did a lot of research before I bought that one versus straight Clank. Mm-hmm. And after playing Clank, I, uh, I'm glad I own Space. It's not that I didn't like Clank. And I just felt like the seeing them now side by side, it Space is more the game that I play prefer i felt like i made the right decision and mm-hmm. it's mainly because um clank is i actually had a really good time with this game but i think the thing that would make it for me is the expansions and there's a lot don't get me wrong if you like that theme better of the dungeon crawling sort of fantasy theme there it does everything that space does it has a good sense of humor it really f- ties to its theme really well and the gameplay is pretty pretty much the same there's a little bit of a difference but pretty much the same um but to me i would need to pick up the base game and at least an expansion because it's it's a simpler version i think space between regular clank space feels there's more options and more complexity and uh but anyway it was really nice to play that that version i liked it i uh could see why <laughs> it took off it's the original version of the game mm-hmm. Uh, have you played it kind of I, I, I played clank first yeah okay uh but years ago when it first came out one time and then i played clank in space several times uh that's the one i own as well uh so i being that it was so long ago i remember very very little about clank and about the the differences really but um i i like clank in space i i've just i've heard too much about regular clank being broken uh, sure yeah at least having some loopholes that can be taken advantage of by uh really experienced players uh but i mean yeah i was curious to hear what you what you thought with both of them kind of fresh fresh in your head kirsten played it and yeah she really liked it she and great actually i i don't believe that she's like one of those people that are like oh i love deck builders um, no no so i i was kind of surprised she agreed to play it um <laughs> And she came in second. She said she really enjoyed it. She, um, I don't think that she's eager to, you know, get it back to the table immediately or yeah, anything. Yeah. But, but I think she was. Uh, she felt comfortable that she was able to pick it up and be competitive and everything. So yeah, she that's, did, she that's a great. good sign. Yeah, I think I, I could. That's a good point about the deck building too, because that's one of the things that stood out to me with regular Clank. It's less. It's. I mean, it is a deck builder. But Clank in Space is much more of a deck builder. You're really hmm. cycling through your deck and the options to thin your deck and customize your deck within the game. It felt like we're way more prevalent in Clank in Space. Um, the other thing, too, that I noticed, and maybe this is just my card draw, but it seemed like the marketplace cards that were available confirm this, is it felt like it was harder to move. Like in, So the, in the Clank games, <clears throat> you have these uh, in your decks, one of the symbols that you're collecting are boots, and boots just let you move from space to space, and you need at least one to move one adjacent. Sometimes you need two, and so it's, it's basically your speed <clears throat> is how many boots you have on a, in a hand uh, each turn. And so I kept running into the fact that I would be that this, there was less boots that I could purchase, and there were cards with, uh, typically the cards only had one boot. I don't think I even saw cards with two boots. In Clank in Space, the board is bigger. There's more, it's more dynamic, so there's more, like, you uh, you have to run around and do things before you can get to the end game. And so you you kind of need to move more, um, otherwise it would just be a long slog. And mm. so 
I, the speed's different. The speed, you, it, it's the same length of game, but you feel like you're doing more because you are moving more. Right. And this game felt like you're still doing stuff, but it almost felt a little limiting compared to the space that I, like, I wanted to get, like, there's some points where I'm just trying to move now. I'm not trying to get anything. I'm just trying to move. And just was like, all right, well, I move one space. And now I will wait. <laughs> and then I move another space. It's and like now the I difference. Will wait. It's like the difference between Concordia and Ragusa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, that's a good comparison. <laughs> if they were, like, the same game, but right. with different themes. But, uh, but, yeah, that was my experience with it. It did feel like it's it's actually probably a good experience if you are if you're not a huge fan of deck building you don't want to have like more hardcore deck building um you get the experience but it isn't the you're just gonna have a lot of garbage in your deck and that's fine everyone's going to so it's so it's, it's sort of an easier deck building tension you don't have to be like oh i'm really crapping on crap on the bed here with my deck i'm not making it as efficient as possible it's like well i've got a lot of crap here but uh, i can still do what i want to do because everyone's got a lot of crap yeah in my old age i have really come to uh like deck building only as sort of a sub category sure. of the rest of the game like a game that ha- like like concordia that has sort of a deck building aspect to it right but isn't the game right yeah you know whereas like Clank, Clank in Space, uh, Dominion, uh, a lot of those games that are just like pure deck builders, I, I it's don't excite me like they used to. It's, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's uh, just kind of overexposure and it's just you know been there, done that, seen it. Um, but yeah, I tend to steer away these days from like pure deck builders or games that are like this is a deck building game. Um, but I still kind of like having a little piece of deck building in games you know yeah yeah uh it's always nice yeah for sure for sure yeah so i would i could see why people say that you can own both of these games if you like if you like the structure and own both these games and have different experiences because they they really are clank is is more of a, a straightforward kind of race to the treasure and back and that one thing that they always say that is broken quote unquote with the game is that you there is a possibility of just sprinting to a treasure and sprinting out and triggering end game which is a possibility mm-hmm. um and clank and space uh, doesn't it, it, really it took yeah, a you lot literally of that can't away do yeah. That. yeah you literally yeah. can't do that because you have to do these two things before you even open access to the treasure room um <clears throat> but so it, it's kind of like what game you want to take to the table the difference though is is if you like the dungeon theme and you do want more complexity, Clank just has, I don't know, like eight. <laughs> it's less than that, but it's something like five They do have a bunch expansions of expansions, yeah. That are... It might not be too far off. Really add a lot of uh, complexity and individuality to, to the game. And it has a bunch of different boards. Clank in Space has modular board system, and I believe it only has one, no, two expansions now. Um but I've heard they're both good. So anyway, yeah. it, I chose Clank in Space because I like the theme a little better, and it's a little bit more of a dense game. It's still not heavy by any means, but I thought it did it really well with sci-fi, and that kind of was more interesting to me. Yeah, and I think Clank in Space, uh, not to beat a dead horse, but I think Clank in Space is uh, a more complete game out of the box. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I feel like you can play Clank in Space and have the experience you want without anything else but yeah. what's in the box. Um, but everything I've read about clank regular clank is that uh it really hits its stride with the expansions right so you have to play with at least a couple of them uh in order to kind of get that 
bigger experience. Yeah. So I, that to me, like my money would be on Clank and Space. Yeah, for so. sure. All right. Okay. So uh, last but not least on my list is a game that I played for the first time last night and I just played with you as well yeah. <laughs> uh, before we recorded this. So um, I've been hearing about this game since I got in the hobby. This is literally <laughs> like a BGG top 100. A lot of people think it's like one of the best two player games out there, period. I have no idea why it took me this long to play it and I'm sort of embarrassed, but that's uh, Jaipur, which is J-A-I-P-U-R. Um, and it is really, really cool it's super easy the i explained it in five minutes um very few questions came up after that you have um real limited choices basically it's um it's a card game where you are uh drawing and selling goods and you're getting these tokens for them and it's played in three rounds and uh well best best out of three so we only played two you won both um Kirsten won two out of three last night against me. I'm apparently really bad at this game, even though I really like it. Um, So you really only have like a couple of choices. So, you know, on your turn, you can sell goods in your hand or you can take from the marketplace. If you take from the marketplace, you can either take a card and that that's it. Or you can take more than one card and replace the cards that you took with cards from your hand or these camel cards. Or you can take all the camel cards. And um, camel cards basically are kind of these placeholders that don't take up uh, room in your hand. Uh, They don't count towards your hand limit. And they allow you to replace cards in the marketplace for you to put in your hand. And that's literally it. The the other option is to sell goods. When you sell goods, you, uh, you take these tokens that have point values on them if you sell three four or five at a time then there's bonus tokens too so there's points all over the place um but it's it's super fun and you don't ever feel like you're really behind you can you can kind of have an idea but you can't really track in your head all the points the whole time so you always feel when you're done you feel like okay I might be in this, Uh, which is, and and even if you did feel like, okay, I'm just getting destroyed, it's like 10 or 15 minutes for the round. So it's not like it even takes that long for you to uh, just, I I like it. It's very well designed. Um, Obviously, it's uh, withstood the test of time. And I actually have the, who is this? Uh, The Space Cowboys version. Uh, there's also another, an older version that came out that has different artwork, but uh, this is the one that was available in my local game store. So yeah, uh, if if for some bizarro reason like me, you haven't tried it, uh, <laughs> you should go out and buy Jaipur. What did you think? I loved it. I, we were talking about the similarities to Lost Cities and how the feel, it's a very different game. They're not the same game by any means, but as a two-player game, the feel of it is very... It's it's just relaxing to play. It's it's you know you definitely have strategy and you're going after some things and you can kind of there's things to pay attention to to try to trigger at certain times like when when you lay out new cards on the market or when you should grab the camels or when not to and but um, but yeah it's just sort of this really relaxing like quick gameplay. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, I I feel like it's kind of the ultimate uh, like coffee shop game yeah, or go grab yeah. a beer game. 
because it's something that you can sit there and talk while you're doing it. It's not, you're not sitting there crunching numbers in your head right. or, you know, uh, you're just sitting back and doing stuff. And it's, uh, it's a nice, <laughs> fun, relaxing, stress-free game. So yeah, that's Jaipur. Yeah. Jaipur was great. I, uh, I, I will probably pick this one up as well. That feels like one my wife would also really like where, uh, it kind of feels like a game where you're you want to play a game, but you're a little you're like not always, but it's a good. A lot of times you are just tired, <laughs> or yeah. you know you feel like playing a game, but you don't want to set anything up. Like you know, I couldn't like setting up Clank. Like we just talked about, is it a chore to a degree? Because there's just so many so many things to set up. And yeah. even it's not a heavy game. It's just like oh, I just don't even feel like setting that up. I, set I want to play Yato. something. I set up Yato yesterday for three <laughs> players. It took me like thirty minutes to set the game up, and I'm like. Damn, I could have played two games of Jaipur in this amount of time, and <laughs> I haven't even started playing it. Yeah, I don't even want to play this <laughs> know, game yeah. now that I've set it up. I've set up Firefly and just been like, Ugh, <laughs> I just don't even know want to get into it now. <laughs> it's just so much to set up. Yeah, it looks nice, but yeah, Jaipur sets up pretty quick. The, the it's just uh, these tokens that kind of look like um, cardboard uh, poker chips and uh, and cards, and that's it. And it's uh, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely recommend check it out. Um, and then the last one we went to, we did a quick one, is uh, the Duke. Um, I've oh, been yeah, playing yeah. this a lot, and uh, we had a few minutes to just check it out real quick. And so Bill and I uh, um, just played a few rounds of that. And um, yeah, so I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on it because I know you're a big chess guy, and uh, this is the closest thing. Obviously, it's reminiscent to is is chess. But uh, I think it does some really cool things to take the chess concept and make it more dynamic and interesting, or not more interesting, just more more dynamic. There's more options and potential yeah, in this de- game. Definitely more more dynamic. Um, I like the fact that it it uses a lot of the um, the chess things. Like it uh, it has um, you know I pins and and you know tr- different traps you can lay and stuff that are that are very much like their chess counterparts but it is so much more dynamic in that you can't you can't plan for everything right. before a game because you have no idea what you're going to draw out of the bag right so yeah. you can't memorize an opening you can't you know decide okay this is how I'm always going to this is the most ideal way to do this every time because that's always going to change based on what pieces you have out and what pieces your opponent has out. Um, and you can decide to go very minimalistic and, you know, move around the board and try and develop while your opponent might just be sitting there, but gathering, you know, mass amounts of pieces or vice versa. Um, and it's, it really changes the whole game entirely every time, like, it's it's not predictable like that and I, I think that's that's very cool and that's something that chess has become in the last 50 years is uh is really really predictable right and uh and yeah it's a very fresh take and uh you beat me pretty quick because <laughs> i, I literally <laughs> never played this so far but, yeah, um yeah I, I i enjoyed it a lot uh i think there's a lot of really neat possibilities and i'm excited to play it again yeah one thing we we played kind of a quick game but um one thing that's it's fun to, that i've discovered uh, with a lot of more plays is that there really is a cool natural balance to taking out pieces 
versus um, doing your move because you you forego doing an action or a move to get a new piece on the board. And that would seem like, well, you probably would do that a lot. And you do do it a fair amount in the game, but there is definitely a balance where you can get in your own way. So you want to, you, you, you end up realizing real quickly that um, having more pieces isn't always good because they just will clog your direction and you're, you can conceivably trap your own duke which and, i did well, yeah, yeah. i did as well in my first play but uh but uh you can you can kind of trap yourself or uh, limit yourself in a big way um by having this sort of uh, gamut of pieces because it is a smaller board than a chessboard. i think it's uh it's a six by six grid no seven by seven anyway smaller than a chessboard. Mm-hmm. um and so there's there's less movement than you might think and that is something to really watch out for. So I just, I just really love this design of this game. So I was, I was glad that you enjoyed it as well because uh, it really, really scratches an itch for me when I want to play a chess-like game, but I really don't want to play chess. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely, definitely enjoyed it. So, all right, is that, is that it for plays? I, I believe so. I believe so. I'm excited to get to today's topic because um, this is, this is a really fun one. Um, so what we're going to do today, we're, we, we have top five lists again. Yes. We're back to top five. So we can talk a little more in depth yeah. on each one. Um, but this is uh, mechanisms in games that really get us excited about a game. Yeah. And what I kind of tried to make this about is if I am on Kickstarter or I'm in the my local game store and I find a game and I look it up on BoardGameGeek, if I see this particular mechanism mentioned, I will continue to look at this game and try and find out more about it because these are mechanisms that in my old age, I have determined (laughs) that really kind of suit me in the way that I like to play games. And I think, I don't think uh, any of these are super big surprises, but, uh, but a couple of them might, might be there. So uh, I'm excited to get into it. All right, let's do it. Okay, so um, I'm going to go first this time. And uh, my first one is uh, a mechanism that I don't see used nearly often enough, um, which is probably why I think it's so unique and so cool, uh, and that is uh, I split, you choose. (laughs) I knew this would be on your list somewhere. (laughs) And there are three game examples that I have uh, of games that I really, really enjoy that use this particular mechanism to kind of give you an example of what I'm talking about. One of them is Hanami Koji, yep. which uh, is my one of my favorite two-player games. And it, what it does is you have these tiles and you have to uh, pick a tile. You're going to use all four, but you decide what order. And it will say something to the effect of pick three cards and let your opponent choose one of them. Or uh, put two sets of cards together and your opponent gets to choose which one they want. So there's this element of, okay, I need to make sure that both sets kind of look enticing, but maybe try and maneuver the one that I really need to be a little less enticing (laughs) to try and get the other person. So there's a lot of really, really subtle mind games with that. And I just think that is such a cool mechanism uh, because you can't make one hand so much more powerful than the other right it's just really really walking that razor line kind of hoping that 
that person's not going for the same thing that you are, which they rarely are, uh, but given the the very limited cards there. So um, the other one is New York Slice, where it's uh, like pizzas with toppings, and uh, you decide how to distribute everything, and then uh, you're the last one to pick in drafting the, oh, okay. the slice. Oh, cool. So it's uh, it's uh, it's also very cool. I've only played that once, so I can't get as as into it as I would otherwise uh but the third one is i also absolutely love uh, and that's animals on board oh, uh, it's one. like one of brandon's favorite games <laughs> <laughs> he's like a heavy euro gamer oh, too. it's hilarious uh, that he loves this game. he does he absolutely <laughs> loves it so in in animals on board uh there's this uh big group grouping of animal tiles and on your turn you split that group a little bit uh so like maybe there's 10 tiles or whatever and maybe you take a set of three and you remove it from the group so now there's a set of three and a set of seven and then you take a food tile for doing that and the next person splits off either from the three or the seven um they can split off a few and it keeps going around until somebody buys one of those sections and then once they buy those tiles it goes in their arc and they pass keep passing until everyone's purchased um a section and you have to have enough food to to purchase a section so that's why you keep kind of splitting but the idea is to kind of keep the stuff that you subtly keep the stuff that you want together so that when you go to buy it it really benefits you uh because in this game if you have a pair it doesn't count towards your score you have to have uh like three or or more so uh it's it's very very cool that way in that if you don't split it right or somebody splits something you're really looking for that changes your whole strategy because yeah. now you got to start looking at something else because maybe if you buy what you were gonna buy now you're gonna have a couple of pairs and you didn't want that right right you know you wanted to get three or you or something like that so um that that's a game that does it really really well and that's animals on board and so that's my uh that's my number five uh yeah that's a great one that that i really like that mechanism too it is so i i always love uh games that change in the game in surprising ways and that is the perfect one for <laughs> for yeah. that you know it's such a it's such a way to and that like the game doesn't have to design that into its to the way it does things it's like it's the players adjusting gameplay for each other and themselves, which is really fun. Yeah, and it makes for a lot of really different games uh, because you're never going to split stuff the same way. Yeah. Because um, you're splitting kind of random setups. Uh, so it's, and it's so underused. Like, there's only a handful. When you look it up on Board Game Geek, there's only like a page and a half yeah, of games it really is. on it. Yeah. So it's a very small subset. Uh, but when a game does that, I, I'm definitely going to take notice. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. That was a great one. Um, so my uh, one that I'm going to start with is um, um, asymmetry. I, I've been thinking about like one of the things that sort of get me excited about games. And this is one of the biggest ones lately. And I guess for a long time, but more more that I'm noticing specifically. And that gets like I'm focusing on like, ooh, I'm curious how they did that. Whenever a game can start with asymmetric abilities or or asymmetry player powers or i guess that's exactly the same thing <laughs> abilities or player powers um or you know just like 
uh, if there's a territory control game and you're at a disadvantage or an advantage in some area of the board, um, that always excites me because I really love, A, the replayability of those games. So you can always try different parts of that asymmetry. But also, I, I think that's an impressive design problem to solve and when, when you solve it well is to get around a symmetry of a game that is a little bit of a deceptive probably deceptive because the game isn't going to make someone just all too powerful and be like well everyone else sucks so try and beat this guy they're going to try to find ways to offset that asymmetry to make it at least more of a level playing field there are strategies to success in all level or all player identities uh, in the game but I'd love to see how designers design around that and mm-hmm. and and sort of allow you to choose where you want to focus and maybe choose an identity or a power or something that um, you may not always go for it naturally and you try to find success through that um one of the ones that we've just talked about is actually victorian masterminds that's an asymmetric game where you all have yeah, very much yeah um yeah you have your your steampunk ships and crafts and you kind of can go f- follow their lead with um uh, what they specialize in and you probably should but you can go in other different directions but the asymmetry is really fun in that game and makes it exciting like you can you can become the identity of whatever victorian mastermind and ship that you have and and try to think of what they would do or you do as them. Uh, another one that sort of stands out, of course, is Netrunner, which is a game I love. And then Twilight Struggle is another good one as a two-player game that is heavily asymmetrical. And um, oh, I guess and Netrunner is too, a two-player game as well. But both of those are just so exciting to play and switch sides to try to play the other side because it changes so drastically. Mm-hmm. And your thought process processes have to change along with that as well and it just feels like a whole new game all of a sudden like you switch sides on netrunner or twilight struggle and suddenly you have to think about everything totally differently not just in the inverse you have to think of total total considered different uh uh, tactics that the other player is taking but also the game like shifts the speed of it shifts the temp or i'm just saying things that mean the same thing the (laughs) The speed speed, and the the tempo tempo? (laughs) what (laughs) oh man (laughs) All right. <laughs> really just synonyms today. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah. So asymmetry is a big one for me that always piques my interest when I hear someone is trying to do that with their game. And it makes me excited to see how they did it. Well, and I agree too. And we've started to see, I think, kind of uh, a new extreme for asymmetry in some games like um, uh, Root. Oh, ever, sure. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played it yet. Where but yeah. every faction is playing a different game. Like a right. completely different game. So like one of one faction is just like one dude, like the right, robber yeah. or whatever, who yeah. just runs around and does his own thing. One is like kind of overpowering with a whole bunch of units and uh, they're trying to accomplish a certain goal. And then another one, and even the mechanisms that they go through are different, completely different mechanisms. So they're really like getting together and playing four completely different games but all kind of impacting each other right and just the design space around that blows me away i can't even imagine where you'd start with something like that yeah uh but vast does that too where you've got like uh a guy and then like one of the uh, player options is uh, the cave the actual cave Yeah. yeah um that accomplishes something completely different than anyone else would and is basically playing their own game and everybody in that is it's so asymmetrical that it's uh it they're radically different games and different mechanisms and so that's that's really really neat i'm curious to see kind of where that extreme settles at some point if that becomes more normal 
uh, if we start seeing a lot more of that because it's really interesting and yeah. and honestly, like with with uh, Root, you can play that four times and basically it's like you bought four different games. Right, you right. Know, yeah. You have to relearn each each one. So it's uh, I don't know if that's always a positive, <laughs> or or if it's uh, if if it's just not where you're like oh you know i i'd want to play that but i don't feel like learning something all over again i right. like playing you know this one want to be the mouse so, yeah <laughs> nothing else so yeah um, well it's easy to do wrong too because you can get lost in it and then suddenly it is easy to overbalance one side or another mm-hmm. and so it uh like i've heard that's one of the complaints i've heard about root is that it just feels like some some characters are more powerful but then once again you, you feel like well maybe you just weren't playing it correctly or that just wasn't yeah. your type of play and it didn't feel natural um, well, I've, I've, I've heard it's it's reasonably balanced for for what it is yeah i mean yeah. i'm not sure you can ever balance it to the point where and because it, it's always going to depend is the guy who's playing the you know the birds has he played the birds five times before and this other guy's only right. played you know the rabbits once or something yeah uh so you really have to, even in playtesting, you have to have a grasp on how familiar the the player is with those particular mechanisms before you start rebalancing stuff. You may not necessarily have to. So uh, yeah, I, I that blows me away how it, that's even possible. But yeah, um, but very very neat. So okay, um, so my next one is uh, one I talk about a lot as far as uh, a mechanism that I really, really enjoy for bringing down um, downtime. Uh, and that is simultaneous action selection. Oh, yeah. That is I always great. really enjoy games where everyone kind of acts at once. That's my, one of my favorite things about Orléans. Which, yeah. which has two mechanisms that are on my list, which is why it's <laughs> my favorite game. Um, but it, uh, everyone can can place at the same time and be doing their stuff. And there are instances where somebody can call for, uh, you know, hey, let's do this in in player order because there's one particular thing I need to make sure somebody else isn't doing something first or something like that. But that's fairly rare and may not even happen in in a given game. Uh, but it really speeds stuff up, and then it kind of switches into this uh, real quick go around and resolve. But there's nothing, there's no AP at that point. It's just a quick resolve. Oh, I'm doing this. Okay, there's my guy. Uh, you've already, while you're doing the simultaneous action selection, everyone's kind of doing the the thinky part together. Right. Yeah. And I I really think that really helps with downtime. I hate downtime. It's just not yeah my thing. Uh, at all, <laughs> isn't anyone's thing? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I play games to just let my brain but go like, uh, and not think. Yeah, but like a couple others that do it. Uh, Twilight Struggle does it. Spirit Island, um, Seven Wonders is a real good example of kind of some some simultaneous action selection. Um, so there's there's a lot of really good, highly ranked games. Gloomhaven does that. Uh, so I, I think there's there's a lot of great games that uh, that are using that, and I'm seeing it a lot more. Yeah, these I think days. it's becoming more of a standard. Definitely, for sure. the, these games that you know, where every turn a player turn takes five minutes, and it's a five-player game. You know, so you're only playing every twenty-five minutes. That those games are are getting lost. They're sort of getting pushed away. And yeah. I think people, our attention spans are a lot lower. 
So I think uh, people are moving, designers are moving more towards that, and I could not be any happier because that when I see that on a game, I'm like, oh, simultaneous action selection. That means that... I'm not going to be sitting here wandering around or, you know, Larry's not going to just stand up in the middle of a game and go see what everyone else is doing. Right. Dominion uh, turns that last for hours. Right. Go take a nap. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's, that is number four on my list. Yeah. It really does seem like it's becoming more commonplace and it makes sense because that is something that gets around the length of a heavier game. Like Spirit Island is a good example of a new game that is very dense but uh, you're kind of doing things at uh, like you're not wasting a lot of time in that game, so it feels like it, it's pretty it, pretty swift. Like the mm-hmm. gameplay feels like it's going pretty quickly. Um, I also feel like that's impressive when that can be incorporated into design because it's a much simpler game to say you do your turn and see, we'll see how that affects the game and everyone else, and then you do your turn and we'll see how that affects the game and everyone else. Uh, but to do it together and have a system that works, and Orleans is a great example of a game that does that mm-hmm. perfectly, oh, yeah. where there's so much going on, but it's not. But it it that still has a timing to it that you have to pay attention to and mm-hmm. uh, is really important even though you're all doing the same stuff or doing stuff at the same time. So that's a great one. Um, my next one is uh, area or territory control. But I have a caveat to this one. Okay. Uh, I don't like this one always, and there's a lot of times when I feel like it is too straightforward and boring and frustrating. Um, and so, but I always am curious how designers approach this. And I'm specifically talking about the way that Concordia does it. So it's area control, but that area that you're controlling, others can also use that area, but they pay a price. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like area dominance, not necessarily control. Okay. I always love that. It's kind of it kind of feels. Um, I guess that sort of lends to asymmetry as well, but it's an asymmetry that you create in the game, and that structure always is fun to me to see. Um, you know, I'm, I, w- I know I want to go here to control this area first, but okay, I've been stymied with that. I'm still going to have a presence there because it's worth it. But now I'm going to try to control this area because I know people want to con- want to do that. So I just want to sort of plot my fat ass here and be like, <laughs> well, now I'm your <laughs> your roadblock <laughs> to this success. Um, obviously, Concordia is one that's kind of does that. But another one that stood out to me a lot, which I liked, was um, Vindication. Uh, The way Vindication does it was really fun where you can kind of plop yourself down at this hex and be like, sure, you can use this hex for a fee where you kind of just sort of you're trickling in this benefit to yourself and it's annoying to other players. But they can still do the thing they need to do. Yeah, it's not game breaking. It's not game breaking. Yeah. yeah, but then they're like, "You're doing too well as the as the uh, ticket taker here at the at the church or the cathedral, whatever you are squatting on." So I'm going to boot you away, and I'm going to do it now because it looks fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. I really like that. That's part of that game because it you you wouldn't you don't need it in that game. It would be fine without it. But the fact that it's there adds a nice little cool little uh, sub strategy that makes it um i don't know just sort of makes it extra fun and extra dynamic so um i really like that i really like when games have a structure like that where you can dominate an area what i so to go back what i said before what i don't like is when you just sort of control an area and it, it is game breaking and they have to kick you out to um to succeed in their own strategy you you just have to be booted I just feel like that's kind of boring and it creates an endless like um, go after the leader neck and neck structure like Munchkin's problem problem we have with Munchkin where it's just like endless. I'm ahead. Well, now we're all going after you. You're ahead. Now we're all going after you. It just creates that's not fun to me. So anyway, uh, area control with uh, sort of a how else did I how did I describe it? Area control with options, I guess. Dominance. Yeah, area dominance. There you go. Okay. 
All right. Um, well, my my next one, my number three, is uh, bag slash pool building. <laughs> this is specifically non-card based. So not if something says, oh, it's a deck builder, that's not going to get my attention. If this says this is a bag builder or a dice pool builder or something like that, I think that's really, really neat. I think we're just scratching the surface of, of cool things that that can be. Uh, games like Orléans is a pure bag builder, and I absolutely love it. I love what it does. Um, I love at that point what Quacks did with pool with yeah. deck build or bag building. Um, kind of took what sort of Orléans decided. Hey, this is kind of neat, and then did it in a different way. Um, and then like a game like Roll for the Galaxy, where you're you're dice pool building. Uh, I think. That that's really really neat. I think there's a lot in that area that hasn't been done before. Uh, whereas I feel like deck building has been so overdone that it's just uh, there. There's very little new in that space, and uh, and the sort of the the potential that bag and dice pool building has uh, for me is what really draws me. Hey, have they done something new? Have they done something different? Have they done something exciting um, that, that I haven't seen before? And, and that's, that excites me. That will get me looking at a game. If I see that it's a bag or a pool builder. Yeah, that was on my list as well. Um, And I like, I was realizing that a lot of the games that I've, really enjoy have it even like arkham horror lcg is as bag and pool building um, oh yeah within absolutely it, a lot of it and that's mm-hmm. a big part of it so it's a huge part of it yeah <clears throat> um yeah that's a great one i really love that that's a becoming more of a scene mechanism around that people are using it more and more because it is really fun <laughs> it's so fun to engage that way yeah i agree uh all right my next one is uh more of a straightforward one and it is just uh, uh rolling dice and placing them dice placement I don't know why it's just simple, but I it, you could literally have a game where it's just five dice and you just <laughs> roll them and put them in places. That would probably be enough for me because I just really love it. We should make that game. <laughs> we should totally make that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, I just I just think that's such a I, I love when games um, consider the physicality of playing a board game because it is a physical thing, and some games do that really well. And then there's Biblios who doesn't let you roll the dice, and it's constantly annoying. <laughs> but the game is amazing. <laughs> it is a it is a great game, but so but, frustrating. Yeah, I'm with you. I would love to Oh, there's such a big size. I would size love to so try nice. on a side note. I'd love to try Biblios where in the beginning you just roll all five dice. Oh, die, that'd be great. And then whatever they're on, that's where they start. That's cool. That'd be cool. You know, cuz that would really you get to roll them. condition that would really condition people. <laughs> there should be a card in there that's like re-roll everything. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, that'd be so fun. Or every time you get a card that would go a plus or a minus, you just roll that die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be super, that would make that would, the game so much better for me. I, it would be really bizarre and <laughs> super fun. But I, yeah, it's but different, different for sure. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm a big fan of, of dice placement as well. Yeah, right? there's just something to it. I feel like you can you could do the same thing with cards, but if they do it with dice, it's just so much more fun. It feels just so much more exciting because the luck of the die versus the luck of drawing a card off the top of a deck is just more engaging yeah um when i draw a card you might hold your breath but when you roll a whole bunch of die you're like <gasps> because you have this unnatural <laughs> feeling like well i'm gonna be lucky the odds are the same it doesn't you're yeah not, there's nothing different no difference there but just it just makes a game so much more fun and like uh, we were talking about sushi roll earlier and i think that's one of the reasons why i like it the most it's just really fun to be rolling these dice all the time and seeing what pops up and you know a certain degree of your odds uh in that game and that makes it even more exciting because you're you're 
you're pressing your luck in that way where you're like, I, I know I need something here, so I'm risking the fact that I need what's on the face of this die, but it's definitely not guaranteed. So you're still you're still uh, totally, it's totally possible that you will get skunked in each round. And I actually happened uh, in that game where I had the highest odds. There were, I needed, um, uh, what did I need? I needed something. And they had a lot of the die that were coming my way, like dice that were coming my way. And I, every time I rolled, I just was not getting it. And it was just <laughs> failing, failing, failing. But um, anyway, I really love when games choose to use dice for the same purpose of uh, that a deck of cards can do. And just in general, rolling dice and placing their values in certain ways is so satisfying. I, uh, oh, I agree. a good one also is Alien Frontier. That's one of the earliest ones I played that did that in a really fun way. That's a great one still um, that, uh, that you do have to consider your die values and your strategy for each turn based on those die, dice values. Okay. Um, well, my uh, my next one is drafting. I like drafting games. I don't care what you're drafting. <laughs> you're gonna say I don't care what you say. <laughs> I don't care what you're drafting. I like I like Sushi Go because it's a good card drafting game, a pure card drafting game. I like Sushi Roll because it's a good dice drafting game. Yeah. I like Sagrada because that's a dice drafting game. I really enjoy that. Seven Wonders, Seven Wonders Duel. Um, even, even, and I know, I'm sorry again, Eric Lang, but. Uh, uh, We've been singing Victoria and Mastermind's praises. We can trash. Yeah, ex- exactly. So <laughs> Blood, Blood Rage does, does drafting, and that's actually one of my favorite parts of Blood Rage is the, the card draft at the beginning, because that's where you really set your, um, you set your strategy there. Yeah. Uh, and that's when you can really go full bore one direction or the other, as opposed to just random cards. A lot of games, you know, when they have these like, you know, action cards or battle cards or whatever they are, um, they just deal out a certain number of cards and you're kind of stuck with it. And it's sort of, you don't know what sort of strategy to even go with, but you can plan your own stuff, uh, your own strategy on, in Blood Rage. And I think that's one of the neatest parts about it. So, uh, yeah, drafting. I really enjoy drafting. Uh, my only, the only drawback to drafting is I feel like you have to play a game once before yeah. you can really utilize drafting to its full extent. Because if you don't know what cards are good or what strategy, what cards are even out there or what dice um, or what have you, I, I don't think, I think you're at a disadvantage um, when it comes to playing with somebody who's played before. Sure. Uh, but aside from that, like I just enjoy drafting as, as a mechanism. I think there's still new drafting things that are coming out uh unique things that people are doing with them and uh and if i see that a game incorporates drafting of some kind i'm definitely going to uh to read up on it a little more yeah yeah drafting is fun and there's there's definitely games that do fall flat or but it's a fun mechanism that you can it seems like it's not easy, but it's it's got so many options to tweak it in one way or the other to make it seem like a whole new take. And well, of course, I guess that that is a whole new take if you're tweaking it in an individual way. But <clears throat> there's something about that pressing your luck as well that always seems uh, exciting. Uh, I I like drafting also. Okay. Um. So uh, another one of mine that it, this is an oldie, but I what I like about it is I like how how 
games these days are reimagining this one. That's just worker placement. Um, games like Orleon and like Raiders of the North Sea was one that's uh, a couple years old at this point, but uh, did it new. I really enjoy when 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 games take these sort of standby mechanisms and just suddenly do something really fresh with it. Raiders had that feeling of um, you had to uh, you had levels of workers that yeah. call it like worker quality differences. You could drop one, take one, and then yeah, and then the drop one, take one was really cool. And uh, early on, you know, the workers are all different, and of course, they're going to come out of your bag differently. So you're more of sort of customizing your worker pool odds, and those worker placement is just such a fun mechanism to engage with once again it goes to the physicality of a board game but uh you know like it's kind of like deck building it's been around so long and it sort of felt old and redundant but in the last couple years there's been a lot of really great takes on it and yeah i agree 100 percent. and so i feel like it's kind of being reinvented lately um and it's really fun so if something comes out that's worker placement i'll always check it out and see like oh what do they do and if it's if it's something unique i'll be like i'd really want to try this and see how that feels yeah yeah i'm much more willing to uh to give a really cool theme a try if it's if it's worker placement because worker placement is usually fairly straightforward yeah um and it's usually not super complicated to understand um worker placement uh quote-unquote unique worker placement was actually my uh my honorable mention so uh, i was going to mention that at the the end but yeah games like uh raiders of the north sea that was the first game to ever implement that drop one Pick one up. Yeah. And you may be dropping a really good, like, white worker and have to pick up, you know, a gray worker or something because that's the other move that you really need to do, but you get a lesser worker out of it. And she's like, okay, well, so the next time I'm going to place this, I need to try and figure out what I can do to get this other worker because that's what I'm going to need the following turn. So there's a whole lot of, there, there's decisions you never had to make before. Yeah. And uh, it really just combined all that in a really, really neat way. I just wish the whole game as a, I wish the game as a whole were a little more engaging, but. Um, Have you played the sequel, uh, the next one of Raiders? Um, I want to see the, what's that one called? Uh, Architects of the North Kingdom. I really want to play that one. Isn't um, there an expansion for Raiders? There's two expansions yeah. for Raiders that I actually, from what everyone says, they completely make a lot of my complaints go away. Yeah, because so I was curious I'm, about that. I, I, part of me really wants to go buy it, but then part <laughs> of me is always like, you know what? If a game as a base game isn't doesn't blow me away, I I feel weird having to buy an expansion to make it more playable yeah no I, I get you i definitely feel the same way where it's like i like this game but i don't like it enough to like yeah spend the money and want to play it a lot but yeah, you never know so i'm gonna spend a hundred dollars to play the game i wanted to play right. for 45 yeah yeah so but uh yeah that was uh that was on my my list as well for for my honorable mention nice all right um so my number one we have dedicated a whole show to at one point, and that is pressure luck. <laughs> I really like the pressure luck mechanism. Um, we've gone through a million games that have it in some regard or another, uh, but I really enjoy that feeling of, okay, I can stop right here and take all this stuff or if I flip this one card and it's the right one, 
I could get so much more. Yeah. <laughs> and just that that high of, you know, rolling that extra die or flipping that card or, you know, doing what have you. Uh, there's a million different ways this works. Uh, it's just to me that is the that is what always sets up those aha moments, those those moments when everyone at the table jumps up and yells, and that's my favorite gaming experience uh, for that to happen. So that that is a mechanism that if it mentions it, I will always at least take a look at it and uh, definitely gets my attention and gets me going. Yeah, we talked we mentioned this before I think, but it is one of the most um, exciting. Um, <laughs> exciting moments in the game a lot of in games there's a lot of a lot of times it's because of a practice or luck mechanism that's mm-hmm. fired off well or not well <laughs> depending on what you're yelling or if it's you that's being uh <laughs> suffering the benefits or the negatives of whatever just happened it's just it's always exciting because everyone's everyone gets involved with that mechanism even mm-hmm. if you're if it's not you you're just kind of like oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy and if it's not you you probably want them to fail but if it is you oh man when that fires off perfectly it is so satisfying well and when you're really pushing your luck and you're like just way beyond where you should be and you're just going for it people will openly even if they don't want you to succeed they'll openly cheer if you do oh yeah because you're just defying the odds and you're just you're like in that moment you're rocky balboa running up the stairs you know like you did it you didn't trip and fall you didn't you know lose that first match in rocky one except you did he really did. Rocky. Yeah, you totally did. So. Yeah, he's, he might not remember it. He's got a lot of brain damage by that. Oh, he the does, end of the series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, all right, my last one. I'm trying to figure. I've got a few here. I'm trying to figure out which one I should. Wish I should. Uh, these once again. These are by no means ranked on my side uh, in in any order. Just uh, pick your favorite. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a, the idea. That's right? what I'm trying to do. <laughs> uh, I like all these because um, I have two. One is more of a structure of a game that I enjoy. Um, you know, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do them together and, and they'll want to be more of an honorable mention. The one that's more of a structure of a game that I always, that I like is a uh, hidden victory points. I have just become more, this isn't one that I like seek out or if a game does it, it's going to be a good game for me, but mm. I just enjoy when I, I seem to enjoy more lately when who is winning isn't completely obvious um having the number go around the track is just it seems to me like it's becoming kind of an outdated style of doing a game some games it really does seem like it works well for and and might even be a necessity for the structure of that game but for the most part it's always more fun to me when i can ignore that and just sort of focus on what i'm doing um and you you definitely still want to focus on other players of course because you can kind of get a sense of where everyone is but you never really know Mm -hmm. um but I think in most games, it's still apparent who's probably winning and who is not. But that count up at the end is just so exciting to me. Uh, once again, Concordia does this really well, where you you suddenly tally at the end and see how well your strategy paid off. Um, uh, most A lot of games do it now. But anyway, I really like that. I think that's a, a more satisfying way to end the game than just being like, um, all right, well, I can see that you're a runaway leader, so... I'm a little defeated right now, but I'm going to try to catch up. And last turn, cool, you won. Clearly, you won. But see, a lot of uh, there's a lot of games too, though. I think that also do both of those things very well, where yeah. they have the track, and but they also have all these hidden points that you can you can get. Yeah. And what I find the the best mix for that is when a game gives you kind of a choice uh-huh. of pursuing open victory points versus kind of hiding 
bonus points or, you know, secret missions or things like that that aren't as obvious that you can purposely make yourself look like you're losing so as to avoid people coming after you or, you know, take that on you or what have you. And and I think that 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 gives a really neat choice so when a game does that. But I'm, I, I like you. Uh, I like you. I like you. <laughs> I like you. I like Side you note, I lot. like you. <laughs> <laughs> back to Brody the show. Yes, back to the show. I really like... Uh, <laughs> Our new segment called <laughs> Surprise Compliments. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but I, I really... I, I like uh, Hidden Victory Points as well. Um, I like knowing... Having an idea of that everyone's still point, in it yeah. but i also like knowing okay i'm gonna just bomb everybody with this 30 point <laughs> right. victory card that i have under here that well, nobody knows i have that's a good point i i think that is a really good point when you have that you do have a gauge a physical gauge that is also i'm trying what is a i feel like we played a game recently in the last few weeks that did that well i'm trying to remember what it was um does does final flick tier have point tracks it doesn't does it i don't remember yeah i haven't played it in a few weeks um but uh oh, maybe i'm trying to remember what it was i was looking at like it's not atelier anyway it was something that did have that and i remember thinking i i really like like you said that that you kind of gauge where everyone is and someone might be way leading there, but they don't know that you have that 30 point victory card. You don't want to hear this, but Ragusa did that in that I was kind of, I was like 25 points up on Jeff and he had a bunch of, uh, the hidden cards he'd gotten. Um, and he ended up beating me by one point. Yeah. So, uh, openly it didn't necessarily look like, uh, it, it didn't look like I was going to lose that game, but I totally did. <laughs> totally did by one point. Um, and that was neat. That yeah. Was, no, I, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, no, it's, that's a good caveat to that. Um, I'll just quickly mention the one that I was going to mention. That's, uh, uh, another one that's not, uh, it's pick up and deliver. And cause I feel like pick up and deliver to me is basically a different type of racing game. Um, and a lot of, a lot of times it is. And I just, there's just a few examples that I really like the way they do it. This doesn't doesn't really make a game to me, but I'm always interested if someone has a unique take on this because it can be very boring and dry and too linear, but there are some games that, um, ha- make it exciting. Clank is basically a pickup and deliver game and just one long pickup and one long deliver. <laughs> you're just running through all these obstacles to get to your thing you pick up and then you're running back. Um, Firefly is another straight pickup and deliver game that uh, I enjoy. I think it's probably better with some expansions, um, but it, it's, it's it's not it's a, bad a game little long for what it is. Yeah. It sort of does feel, and we've mentioned this before, it feels like like a job it does like ups the the job board game it is (laughs) technically is but you're right it shouldn't feel shouldn't feel as much like a great pick up a deliver game that i thought did it really really well and fairly uniquely um was uh wasteland express yes waste i was gonna mention that one too yeah that one really has set the mold for me lately i just feel like that one was really exciting to play and had a lot of options to explore and you you definitely need to do pick up and deliver but you can also try to focus on other things um or be the scoundrel that just gets in everyone's way so i like how i always like how um games try to take on or designers try to take on that mechanism and uh, see what they do with it because sometimes it's really amazing and uh it can be really a lot of times it's not it's one that can easily fall flat. yeah it's not on my (laughs) list because it's one of those things that can be done very poorly yeah and it's kind of it, it. It is one of those ones where you're like, oh, pick up and deliver. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
But if it's a unique take on it, I'm with you. Unique takes on on any of these, I think, are maybe are that's what it is. It's, awesome. it's the surprise that they did it well is what makes it for me because you're just sort of Whoa. like, oh well, all right, I'll try this. I guess that could hey, have been terrible. <laughs> that could have been terrible. <laughs> I love your haircut. <laughs> you have great eyes. Thanks. Anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, that will do it for our list. And uh, uh, yeah, thanks for guys for this. I like, I like this surprise compliment segment. We should keep this going. It's pretty sweet, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, next week I think we're going to tackle um, ga- uh, mechanisms that we look at and we're like, nope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> turn that we, the page. That really turn us off. <laughs> That's the Kickstarter click next button. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We should also, well, we'll I won't guarantee this but I, we're going to try to do uh our we talked about this last episode our playthrough of um one of the games that both of us don't like either jamaica or uh ragusa and then we will uh do try to convince the other one of us to not this isn't the best game but this convince it that this is not a bad game it's a valid game yes that it's not a bad game it's so it's a good game um I, i'm really excited for that i'm excited to get into that because uh, I think that'll be fun. So hopefully we'll be able to get that in for next episode. Um, but if not, it'll be in the next two. I've so. been talking to Kirsten a lot about that in the car because she's like, I really thought you'd like Jamaica too. I'm like, you know what? I'm actually kind of getting excited to play it again because it can't possibly be as bad as I think it is. <laughs> no, it, well, I feel the same way about Ragusa. <laughs> I, I'm actually really excited to play it and really try to come into it with an open mind and being like, okay, let's just play this game and only this game and just try to enjoy myself and i i know it's not a bad game i just because that's the thing too it's like i really hated it and it doesn't seem like i should so i'm even confused okay (laughs) i'm really excited about that i can't wait to to do that segment so uh keep your eyes or your ears open for that guys and we we can't wait to share that with you as we do it and then until next time you of course can reach out to us in many different ways we are on twitter and instagram at roasted games one and we are also at uh, roastedgamesco at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page. You can search for us on Roasted Games. And you can go to our ho- podcast hosting page, eavesdrop.com, and uh, go to the Roasted Games page. Uh, if you've never been there, I really would suggest you check it out. We have a really good splash page. Koji Krill, who is our friend who did it for us, did a great job. And it's just kind of a, anyway, really cool yeah, animation. Yeah, like all yeah. flaming. Not like that. But he just took our like, logo and did some yeah. really cool things with it. And we, we really thought, thought it's cool. So yeah, um, it is. You can fill out a comment form there and reach out to us. And we would always love to hear from you guys. If you have any ideas or comments of uh, on, on the show or things that we could cover, we'd love to uh, get your suggestions. So yep. You can also uh, go to our website at roasted.games. There you go. So many options. But... So many. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys on the next episode. Bye. And have I ever said that you have amazing skin? Oh, thanks. <laughs>